Thank you for joining us in our week series. story ever told. F.B. Meyer, who was associated with D.L. Moody way back at the turn of the 19th century, F.B. Meyer is a very respected pastor, theologian. He said this. He said, when we see a brother or a sister in sin, we should not look down on them because there's two things that we do not know. He said, one, we do not know how hard they tried not to sin. And two, we do not know the power of spiritual forces that attack them. When you see somebody struggling, somebody battling sin, he said two things. One, don't, don't look down on them because you don't know how hard they've really tried not to sin and you don't even know the spiritual pressures that the enemy launched against them that led them. I would add a third one and say this. You don't know what you would have done if you would have been in the same circumstance and neither do I. So here's the thing that I would say to you. The Christian life is a battle. Oftentimes you'll hear pastors almost present the gospel is if you come to it, everything is going to be hunky-dory and everything is just going to be great. That is an inconsistency of text of scripture and reality. I can promise you the Christian life is a battle and life is hard. And when we go through life as we've walked through it, even over the last months, I can promise you, you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows and you're going to have some wins and you're going to have some losses and you're going to feel like you're on the mountaintop and then you'll feel like you're in the pain of the valley and wake up and then even in the morning you get into the word and you have some cool prayer time and you feel like, man, I'm so close to God. But by the time you get about mid-afternoon, you feel like you're a million miles away. Am I just talking to me and my story, or does anybody identify? You ever feel that way? Man, I, I, I just had this win, and bam! One of my favorite stories is in 1 Kings chapter 18, and God has raised up this prophet by the name of Elijah. And man, there's this showdown on Mount Carmel between God, the true God, and these prophets of Baal. 450 prophets of Baal are there, and they're calling on their false God, and Elijah starts to cry out to God, and the fire from heaven falls, consumes even the altar that has been doused with water. What a God victory this was. Elijah's so jacked up and pumped up that he takes off running, glorifying God. He even outruns the horses that are pulling the chariots, and he's like, yes. Then you flip to chapter 19, and Jezebel is trying to eat his lunch, and Elijah, he's hiding out in the wilderness, and this is what he cries out to God. Just take me, I'm ready to die. Oh, dude, yesterday, just a few days ago, you were on the pinnacle of seeing God work, and now you're pitting out, and he's like, yeah. The way life treats us. There's tension. There's trials. There's temptation. There's pressure. Life is hard. And for many of us, we just don't know if God cares about us. I met with a young man yesterday. He's in his mid-30s. I've known him for about 11 years ago. 11 years. I met him 11 years ago here at the church. 
He was at our house doing some work. He's married now, and his wife, uh, she's pregnant, and they just had this gender reveal thing, and uh, he's all fired up about being a dad. And he looked at me, and he said, man, I, I struggle sometimes just really trying to believe that I deserve this. I struggle believing I deserve this. When I met him 11 years ago, he was strung out on heroin. He would drift down to the bluffs in Atlanta. He, he was a, a waste. And about four or five years ago, he surrendered to Christ and he starts growing in his faith. And I looked at him yesterday and I said, 11 years ago when I met you, the truest thing about you was that you were loved by God. And I said, I look into your eyes today, a married man with a baby on the way, and the truest thing about you is your love by God. The truest thing about you has not changed. The truest thing about you 11 years ago was not that you were an addict. The truest thing about you 11 years ago was not that you were in bondage. Not that you almost died multiple times. The truest thing about you when you were using and abusing was you were loved by God. But now 11 years later, you're starting to believe it. And we call it grace. The truest thing about you today, Steve, is you're loved by God. Jesus has this incredible moment where he's baptized by John in the Jordan. And man, you want to talk about a cool mountaintop experience. The voice, this thunderous voice from heaven declares, you are my beloved son. Man, I am so pleased with you. And Jesus goes from the blessing to the battle. Luke chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. And he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those 40 days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, anointed by God, being controlled by the power and presence of God, don't miss this, don't miss this, was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. I think a lot of times we want to shift all the blame and go, well, look at how the devil is jacking with me and look at how the, the devil is messing with me. Sometimes God will allow us to enter the wilderness to purify our faith even more. I'm going to let you go through the wilderness. The word wilderness there in the Hebrew is the word jeshimon. And it literally means J-E-S-H-I-M-O-N, jeshimon. It literally means the wastelands. It means a place of devastation. It means to be abandoned. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus to the wastelands. Leads him to this place of devastation to the wilderness. The Holy Spirit led him there. Jeshimon was a place that was about 35 miles long. It was about 15 miles wide. We've been to Jerusalem. We've headed out to the, 
the Dead Sea. I mean, when you start to look at these dust piles and these jagged, sharp rocks, and this place is so desolate, it's limited water supply. There's nothing there. It's hot. It's dry. It's isolation. There's no food. And that's where Jesus is. He's in the wastelands being tempted. All of us will experience times in the wilderness. All of us will spend time experiencing devastation, times when we're empty, times when we're exhausted, times when we're dry as a bone. Times when we feel like, man, I just can't keep going on. And sometimes it lasts a few days and sometimes it lasts a few weeks and sometimes it lasts a few months and sometimes it lasts even a few years in the wilderness. Jesus is about to launch his public ministry, but before he launches this public ministry, he's led into the wilderness. He's led to this place of being tempted by the evil one. And the scripture says that Jesus was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Could you imagine the enemy coming against you for 40 straight days, nonstop, morning, noon, and night, and pressing in on you? We're talking about the prince of darkness, the prince of this world, 40. And the Jewish audience would say, 40? Because 40 was biblically a number that implied, summarized, if you will, testing and trials. The children of Israel wandered for 40 years. Moses was up on Sinai for 40 days. They knew 40? Man, that implies testing and trials. And after 40 days, the text says Jesus was hungry, but he was full of the Holy Spirit. He's hungry, but he's full of the Holy Spirit. And I was reading that pondering, going, man, I haven't mastered that one yet. A lot of times I have a full stomach and I don't rely on the Holy Spirit. Man, my flesh is satisfied. And, and that's the reason when you go through times of fasting and prayer, what you're doing is really trying to say no to the flesh and consecrate your thing, your heart to the things of God. That's the reason fasting is such a neat spiritual discipline to crucify the flesh. When you look at Satan, he has three basic temptations and one main strategy. That's what we're going to find in this text, but that's what we see repeated throughout Scripture. You need to know this one. Please know this. Three basic temptations, one main strategy. 1 John 2.16 says that the evil one, Satan, when he comes, he's going to try to pursue you and tempt you and lure you with the lust of the flesh. In the lust of the eyes and with the pride of life. That's how Jesus is going to be tempted here in Luke 4. It's the same way Adam and Eve were tempted in the Garden of Eden. It's the same way he's going to tempt you. Satan, his attacks and temptations throughout history, they haven't changed. He got the same old game plan. So, when we read in Scripture, don't be ignorant of his schemes, meaning he got the same old game. And it's worked on certain people, and he's going to come at you. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 says, Eve saw 
that the tree was good for food. It aroused her flesh. Ah, oh, this would make my flesh happy. It was pleasing to the eyes. Oh, the lust of the eyes. I could have that. And then it, it was desirable to make one wise. Oh, look at the pride there. I'm going to become li like God. I could become wise. Satan is going to come at you the same way. He comes at Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus, if you're really the son of God and God and Messiah, why don't you turn these stones into bread? Loss of the flesh. You, you know you want something to eat. Satisfy your flesh. And then the next temptation, he says, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Look at what I'll give you. Look at what you can have if you'll just bow to me and follow me. And he does that with you. Look at all that you could have. Jesus already owned it all. He didn't need him to give him anything that he already possessed. And you already own it all, all in Christ. Everything that you need for life and godliness, the Lord has given to you. But the enemy is going to convince you that you need things apart from him. Doesn't work. And then he tells Jesus, hey, why don't you throw yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple and show everybody that God the Father really is your daddy. Why don't you prove who you are and who you belong to? Three temptations. He's got three basic temptations. And he's got one main strategy. What's his strategy? His strategy is to cause you and to tempt you to doubt the word of God. That's his strategy. I want to cause you to doubt the relevance and the power of the word of God. And when the enemy comes at you and convinces you that there's no power and relevance and strength in the word of God, guess what you do? You neglect it. I, I, I don't need that. I, I ain't got time to get up in the morning and spend five minutes or 10 or 30 in the Word. I don't really need that. And can I tell you something? If the enemy can convince you to neglect the Word of God, or if you listen to his lies, and that's what we find here in Luke chapter 4, he abuses the Word of God and misuses the Word of God and twists the Word of God, that's what we find with so many teachers and proclamators today. They misuse it. They abuse it. They twist it. Satan is the master deceiver. You, you don't need it or you just don't need to know it in context. It is essential. Essential, non-negotiable for you to know the word of God, to study the word of God, to meditate on the word of God, to memorize the word of God, to be in a church that teaches the word of God. Because Satan wants to eat your lunch. And if you don't know how to rightly and accurately handle the word of God, Satan will pick you apart. He will pick me apart. And we're going to get to that in this text. Discipleship Journal did a survey a while back where the readers ranked the areas of their greatest spiritual challenge. These are believers. 
What, what are the greatest spiritual challenges that you face? Discipleship Journal from their readers. First on the list was materialism, which is lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes. I see something, I got to have it. I see the new, new iPhone, got to have it. See those shoes, got to have it. I, 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 I'm just always gravitating toward purchasing that which is materialistic. My greatest challenge, oh, I just love materialism. That's a challenge inside this room. And they said the second greatest challenge was pride. Man, I'm so self-centered. I'm so self-absorbed. I think of me all the time. I try to just make me happy all the time. Man, I, I, I'm very self-focused. 81% of the people surveyed said that the temptation was heightened when they neglected time in the Word. 81% of the people said, hey, you know what? When I neglect time in the Word, when I neglect time hanging out with God, when I neglect reading and studying and meditating and memorizing, goes through the roof. And you know what I know to be true in Tim Cash's life? Same thing. Man, you're not in the Word. You're not studying. You're not pondering. The Word of God is called a sword of the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're, we're told, man, why don't you take up the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the evil one, the devil. And then we're told, why don't you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, so that you can stand against the, the devil. The only offensive thing that we have in doing battle with the evil one Grass withers and flowers fade, but the Word of God remains forever. And Jesus uses the word, the sword, to do battle in this text right here. Now, picking it back up in verse 2, it says, He ate nothing for 40 days and he became hungry. If you didn't need anything for 40 days, how hungry would you be? If you didn't eat anything for 40 hours, how hungry would you be? If you didn't eat anything for eight hours, how hungry would you be? Hannah Cash, if you didn't eat anything for two hours. You know what I know about me and what I know about you? It doesn't take a whole lot to arouse our flesh. It doesn't take a whole lot for us to cave in and give in to sin. Our sinful flesh will lead us down a variety of paths to try to gratify the flesh. Jesus is being ambushed by Satan. Let's learn from Master Jesus. The devil said to him in verse 3, if you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. If you're, if you're really the son of God, why don't you satisfy your flesh? Oh, 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 since you are the son of God and the Messiah, why don't you use your divine power for your desires right now? Come, come on, you can do it. Don't deprive yourself. You deserve this. You're God. You, 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 you know you want it. God will let you use your power to make bread. Go on. It's okay. God won't mind. Does anybody ever get those kind of 
temptations and lures from Satan. Hey, hey, go, go on. It's okay. Hey, if you're a child of God and God is so loving and gracious, why are you sick? Why are you battling illness? Why are you battling cancer? I mean, if God really loved you and cared about you, he wouldn't let you be going through this. And oh, 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 since God loves you so much and God's for you, why is life so tough for you? Why'd you get fired? What'd you do wrong? Where's your God now? Yeah, why don't you do a little something for you? Why don't you take care of you? God understands. Oh, oh I, I know, but God will forgive you. He's a forgiving God. Anybody face that? Do a little something, something for you. Take care of your flesh. It's okay. Sedate, medicate, drown. D do it for you. You deserve it. I mean, you got all this crippling pain of your past. Do it. Yeah, yeah. Stay on, stay on the pills and stay on the alcohol. I know she left you. It's cool. Look at porn. I mean, just do something for you. The lies from hell are relentless. And let me tell you this. When he comes at Jesus, this temptation to eat something worked with Adam and Eve. Maybe it'll work again. I remember after getting saved and the temptations that I had caved in before, well, I'm going to hit you again. They worked before. I'm like, man, I'm a new creation. And I, I, I believe God cares. And I do believe he's a way maker. And I do believe he, he, he can rescue me from this. No! Well, I'll just come at you again when you're a little bit weaker. I'll come at you when you're tired. I'll come at you when you're vulnerable. I'll come at you when you're feeling lonely. It worked in the past. I might as well use it again. I'm meditating on this going, wow, Jesus, you could have made bread for yourself. He goes, yeah, 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 I could have. But if I would have done that, I would have been, I would have been relying on me and not the Father. I, I mean, I could have, but I always try to do that which pleases the Father. And I, I just want to glorify the Father. And the Father didn't give me permission to do that. And I, I could have done it because I have the power to do it. But, but I would have been just relying on me. And the lust of the flesh, 101, basically says if it feels good, just do it. Because the only thing that matters is you being happy and you satisfying you. So... Do what makes you feel good. Do what brings you pleasure. That is the lust of the flesh. And Satan will lie and tell you again, God just wants you happy. Taylor, I have people tell me that in counseling at times. But don't God want me happy? You know how tough my job is? You know how tough this marriage is? You know how tough my life has been? Don't God want me happy? No, he wants you holy. That's the H word. Holy, set apart, sanctified, yielded, depending on him. You were close. 
You're in the H's in the dictionary. You just didn't flip far enough over. You landed on happy. No, that was that dope smoking dupe out, uh, dude out of Jamaica that said, don't worry, B. No, that wasn't scripture. That wasn't third day singing. But listen to me. When we take the gifts and the abilities and talents that God has blessed us with, it's like, man, look at what God has blessed me with. And use them to satisfy our own personal desires, it's wrong. Look at what I've blessed you with. Jesus, why don't you just go and turn these stones into bread? Here's the reason I'm not going to do it. I wasn't sent for others to serve me, and I wasn't sent for the purpose of serving myself. I've come to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So your agenda and mission and ministry is not just about taking care of you? No. And, and Tim, if I've blessed you with any gifts and abilities and talents, they're to be used, Tim, for kingdom purposes. Tim, you're going to be tempted to use whatever I give you, gifts, talents, wealth, whatever, and, and you're going to be lured and tempted to make yourself rich or to make yourself famous or for you to become popular or for you to be applauded. I didn't give you any of that for you. I gave you that so that you would steward it for my glory. No matter what we have, no matter what gifts we have, Spencer, no matter what God has blessed us with, we are redeemed. We are Write it down. Don't miss it. I am redeemed. You are redeemed to glorify God, to bless your neighbor, to love your neighbor, to encourage your neighbor, and to evangelize the world. I redeemed you. I just want you to glorify me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to know me. I want you to worship me in spirit and in truth, Tim. Now, 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 I want you to be a blessing for others. I just want you to encourage others. I want you to walk with others. That's what you want me to do. Yes. Hey, 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 why don't you turn these stones into bread? Jesus said, it is written. It, it, it's written. Man shall not live on bread alone. Matthew 4, 4 even captures it deeper and he says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Man can't live on bread alone. You, 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 you don't understand. You think that man's ability to live and flourish is based on the physical. For man to truly live, it has to be spiritual. And Jesus here says, do you not realize the spiritual is way more important than the physical? Man can't live on bread alone. He's got to live on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8 where Moses had told the Israelites, hey, y'all listen. You know that manna that God has been providing daily for us as we're in the wilderness wandering? That manna can't sustain you. I mean, it's good and it's getting you through the day, but if you're going to really live and flourish, you've got to feast on the word of God. You've got to know God. You've got to know what God says. God wants you to trust him, not his provisions. That's what Jesus was saying. 
And Moses is basically saying, like, l- l- listen, who led y'all out of Egypt? God. Who marched y'all through the Red Sea? God. Who's going to take care of you here in the wilderness? God. So the God that's taking care of you, you better know him. You better ponder him. You better study him. And you better know who he is. Know his word. That's what Jesus is quoting. Why'd you you do that, Jesus? Because he knew, he knew God's word could be trusted. When we get to the place of hiding God's word in our heart and studying and meditating, guess what we find out in the midst of temptations and trials and tension and pressure? Guess what we find out? That even in the midst of the struggle, we find out God's word can be trusted. God can be trusted. I can trust that God. I can trust what that God said. When you look at chapter 4 here of Luke 4, and you look at verses 4, 8, and 12, three times Jesus said, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone. He's got to live on God's word. It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him sometimes. Sunday. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Don't make any other idols or false gods. It is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Here's the challenge for you. Here's the challenge for me, Billy. Will I worship and serve God only? Will Jesus Christ be the object of my affection? Will I build my life on the word of God? Will I build my life on the will of God? Will I worship and serve Jesus only? Or will I allow these other less wild lovers to compete with the affection of my soul? You got to serve him only. Will I trust God to be true? Will I trust that God's word is true, that I can stand on it, that I can, I can build my life on it. Will I feed on the Word of God? Will I know the Word of God? Will I apply the Word of God? We cannot live a godly life by satisfying fleshly desires. You can't do it. Well, I want to live for the Lord, but... And I'll hear people all the time make statements, right? You do too. Man, I really want to honor God, but, but, I mean, I think God's okay, man, with me smoking a J occasionally, right? But, I mean, it's okay to go out with the guys every now and then and tie one on, right? But, I, I, I mean, I really do want to honor God, but it's, it's okay for me to give my time and attention to that's okay, right? I mean, I would be there, but you know, it's hunting season and I would be there, but I got tickets to the ball game and I would be there, but I'm telling you, Loganville has got a lot of big butts. (laughs) Come on, somebody. (laughs) The abundant life has to be It has to be founded with us feasting on the Word of God. So many Christians today 
So many Christians, even people that attend church, Cindy, we talk about this. They're suffering from spiritual malnutrition. Too many churches are teaching felt needs and don't want to hurt your feelings. And you go in and their preaching is candy bars and Cokes. And you go, man, it looks good. It tastes good. But days later and weeks later when the storms hit and temptation and tension hits, you go, all that junk I've been eating has no spiritual nutritional value to it. I can't, I can't fight. I mean, it's junk, right? And nobody can thrive living on just junk. I mean, I read the daily bread a couple times a week, Tim. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's obvious. Um, <laughs> Paul is writing like mentoring his boy Timothy, and he goes, hey, Timothy, listen to me. As he writes that last letter of 2 Timothy, and he's, he's, he's finishing everything up. Paul's about to die. He writes and he says, hey, Timothy, preach the word. Preach it in season. Preach it out of season. Preach the word. Don't preach felt needs. Focus on spiritual needs. Pre preach the word. It's like, okay. Man, you come to faith in Christ and you've got all this junk in your life, right? I did. I really did. And, and claiming the word of God and knowing the word of God was the key to overcoming temptation. Like if you're struggling with lust and you're struggling with pride or materialism or porn or alcohol or drugs, whatever the struggle, I can promise you this, and you found it to be true in the last three years, brother. The solution is you claim the word of God to be greater than whatever you're lusting for. What does my flesh get aroused with? What do I lust for? And when I start to claim, oh, God, you are greater. Your word is greater. Your truth is greater. God's truth is greater than whatever has you in bondage. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, chain breaker. What happened to you? I just started claiming the word of God. God said it. I just started claiming it. Did you see the three steps that Jesus gives us in Luke 4 for overcoming temptation? Step one, know the word of God. Step two, know the word of God. <laughs> Step three, y'all are catching on. Y'all are smart in this room. Step three is what? What did Jesus say? It is written. You want to keep it bottom shelf and simplistic. Okay. Jesus, the word of God was enough for you. That's right. Then the word of God should be enough for me. It's not complicated. If the word was enough for Jesus, then the word should be enough for us. Did you cave in the flesh and gravitate toward the lust of the eyes? And did you cave? I didn't, and I'm not here for the physical. 
And when we start to tap in, it's like, say no, don't feed that flesh. So we're talking about 40 days of eating nothing. I'm talking about doing this 21 day of prayer and fasting. No dairy, no sweets. It's like every stinking commercial that comes on the TV has got cheese on it. I'm like, there's that pizza. There's that taco. You ever notice that? Like, just, come on, 40 days. Come on, bro. You're 21 days and you're still over there gnawing on something. Hush. Stand on my word. Press into me. Eliminate some junk from your life. Learn to trust me. Hey, when the tempter is near and he has your ear, what he needs to hear is, it is written. In the tempting hour when he offers you power, just say, Lord, send me a shower. It is written. Man, I want to be fed. But not Satan's bread. What Jesus said was, it is written. When he's through with me, I know he will flee. For as long as I can see, it is written. And when the battle's all done, the devil is going to run because King Jesus has won. It is written. It is written. It is written, i got to know the Word of God. I've got to know what God says. I've got to know that when I face those areas, no temptation to him is is overtaking you, but such is common to man. God is faithful in the midst of this temptation, and God will provide a way of escape for you. Run to him, trust him, depend on him. You're not the only one that's ever gone through this. You're not the only one that's ever going to go through this. It's hard, yet what's hard is saying yes to the Lord and yes to the Spirit and no to the flesh. It's like, all right, clean it up. Surrender. Know the God of the Word. Step one, step two, step three. Know the Word of God. Let's pray. Let's press in. And let's believe that Jesus is enough. Let's believe that he's a way maker. Let's believe that he really is a promise keeper. Let's believe that he desires to shine light into the darkness of your soul. Let's believe that he can raise the dead and heal the sick and open blinded eyes. Let's believe that this is the favorable year of the Lord. Let's believe that he's come to set captives free.